Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and we've got a brand new episode this week. I know it's been a few weeks, but as we inch closer to the postseason, we got to get back to regularly scheduled programming. I am joined this week by a very special guest. It's Ben Whitelaw from RBLR Sports. Ben, what's going on? Hey, thanks for the intro. I don't feel that special, but you know, I appreciate it. So thanks for having me on. Awesome. Now, happy to have you here. And it's, you know, been a busy week in, in Rays baseball as they continue to march towards the postseason. They just finished off a series against the Texas Rangers in which they took two out of three. We saw Shane McClanahan come back to the mound. We're going to talk a little bit about him in just a second. But, you know, as has been the case this entire season, we've got more injury news to kind of go through and get everyone caught up on it. Like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode of Raise Your Voice. So there has been plenty of news, a couple of guys whose seasons have ended, a couple of guys who have made their return. So we'll start with Brendan McKay, who was down pitching in AAA, left the game after like just warming up. I don't think he threw a pitch in that game um, with some uh, elbow discomfort, and turns out he needs Tommy John surgery, which means he'll miss, obviously, the rest of this year and all of next year, or at least as a pitcher. Um, which I believe was all he was doing at that point. Um, he's he, he kind of ditched the two-way approach, but but Ben, at this point, it, it feels like Brendan McKay has no major league future as a pitcher. Yeah, it's really sad. I honestly, like, I hate to say it, but I don't see him sticking around through this winter. Like, you know, that's a pretty valuable forty-man spot. So, yeah, it's it's sad. Could you, uh, yeah, he definitely has no future with the Rays, and I hate to say it like that, but uh, as a hitter, I mean, I was never too impressed with him as a hitter, but that, you know, you could see him maybe getting a, a non-roster invite somewhere as a DH next year. I just don't feel like it's going to go very far. No, I don't think so. I mean, just, you know, he, the, so, he has such limited experience already as a hitter. Um, he, he was a decent hitter though, like good on base, uh, good walk rates, uh, you know, enough power to be successful, but it's hard to see him sticking anywhere long-term at this point. Yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate. He was first round pick number four overall back in 2017 and to see his career go downhill as, as badly as it, as it has, uh, is just unfortunate. One of the one of the bigger draft busts in, I know there's, you know, calling a a baseball draftee a bust, you know, it's so hard to just make it to the big leagues. McKay did, and he looked good in that 2019 season when he did break through. Uh, But it's, it's, it's just been unfortunate. And yeah, like you said, I think his time with the Rays is coming to an end. The, the next player that went back on the IL 
uh, was Brandon Lau with, again, some lower back discomfort. This is an injury he dealt with that, that make, you know, he missed most of the summer with this injury. It's, I guess, re-aggravated or it never fully healed. One way or the other, he's back on the injured list. And the hope is that he'll be ready for the postseason. Sure, he can play in the postseason. The question I have is, is he going to be effective in the postseason? Not based off like his prior year performances. I know people love to hate on Brandon Lau for his postseason performances, but I'm talking about health-wise. If he does come back off the I.L., is that back going to be not only good enough to play, but good enough to, to produce in the middle of the Rays lineup? That's a good question. I honestly, you know, don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the team is much better when he's in the lineup. Um, he's probably, you know, the biggest consistent power threat in the lineup. You know, they have made some good acquisitions. Uh, some guys have stepped up this year, but since 2018, he has a 10.4% extra base hit rate which is in the 91st percentile among qualified hitters. And the next closest is Randy Arozarena in the 78th percentile. So like, yeah, they're both good hitters, but Brandon Lau is like, he's a consistent double or home run threat almost every time he's at the plate. So it's, um, it, it's going to be tough to replace him. I think they do have the firepower to do it, but we're going to see a lot of, you know, four or five run uh, performances from the offense, I think for, you know, the time being. So Hopefully he can get healthy though for the postseason because I, I'm confident he's going to break through eventually, and then the dam's just going to open up and the the hits are going to come, the home runs are going to come. So in the postseason, because I know he's he's had some struggles, but it's small sample sizes. So yeah, and I, I think right now I'm I'm not worried about you know his production with the emergence of of Jonathan Aranda, who who can play or he he does play second base. Um, not particularly well. Um, we've seen him at third. We've seen him at first. Um, but the bat, it it does play. And I don't think many people were worried that Jonathan Aranda could not hit at the big league level. I think that much was clear. Now, the question was always with, with the defense. And we've we've had some interesting moments so far during an, any other short big league career. He, he's not like a liability, but he's just not good at least that's what i've seen thus far now you get into the postseason where one error can literally make or break a season uh, i get a little more uncomfortable uh with a, a ronda in there I, I still like him in the in, in on the roster um but his, his playing time probably just changes in the postseason especially if you've got brandon Lau back in there i'm, I'm kind of curious what, what have your thoughts been on, on jonathan ronda thus far I love the bat. The bat is so real. Um, he's going to continue to have those like high bat pips, like overperform his expected weighted on base average, stuff like that. Like he, he really can do it. Um, he has the track record in the minors to do that, but he's also like got the plate discipline and discipline, sorry. And the batted ball profile to do that a really consistent launch angle, just everything you kind of want in a guy that's like going to make a career off of, hitting the ball, you know, into the outfield, to the gaps, all that kind of stuff. So the bat is very real defense is we we've seen it. It's like, you know, at least one thing that is happening a game where it's like, if you just like close the glove, you're good. If you don't trip over your own feet, you're good. So it, I think he can improve, but like you said, in the postseason, those mistakes are so much more costly that 
Uh, I can't, I really don't see him, you know, doing anything but DHing, but I will give the race credit. Like they're not going to just shy away from it just because he struggles. Like they're giving him opportunities to try to improve out in the field. So, you know, from an organization that prides themselves in developing the whole player and developing, you know, your number one prospects all the way down to the, you know, the farm hands, like they're really going to leave no stone unturned. So I appreciate that from the race, but I think they could just move him to DH for now. I think that would be nice. Yeah, definitely. But you also have a crowded outfield. Now you've got David Peralta on the roster, makes things a little bit more interesting. But yeah, you can use him as DH and give one of your outfielders, you know, an off day. I know Randy Rosarena had a second straight off day today. They said he was feeling a little under the weather. Uh, Mark Topkin reported that it might just be some some load management as we head down the stretch in the Rays. Oh, they haven't clinched. They haven't really gotten close to clinching yet. Are are in a comfortable spot to to reach the postseason for a third straight season. Or to be, no, that'll be four straight seasons now um, if, if they were to make it right, yeah. this year. Um, but but with Jonathan Aranda, he reminds me uh, a little bit of Luis Arias. He strikes out a little bit more, uh, but I think in turn he he hits the ball a little harder, has you know more power than a guy like Luis Arias, but just can go the opposite way, gets on uh, very high on base you know from the left side, um, which would be great if, if Jonathan Aranda's that. I mean, that, that would be an awesome player to have on the race for the next few years. So yeah, Brandon Lau's out. I'm, I'm really not expecting much of anything from him this year. If he returns, we'll see. Uh, Maybe that's just the skeptic in me. I'm just not convinced. Other guy who is out for the year is Ryan Thompson. Um, So Ray's submarine reliever out for the year with triceps inflammation. It's been an up and down year for Ryan Thompson, but he had a stretch where he was, uh, one of the most reliable relievers in this race bullpen. Now we find he's out for the year. I'm not worried about the bullpen depth, but uh, I think the Rays bullpen is better with Ryan Thompson in it. What say you, Ben? No, I completely agree. I think he was really coming into his own. You know, he finally got his slider back. It was a little flat, a little dead in the middle part of the season, but it was really starting to come back alive the last like month or so. And now he's hurt again, which really sucks. I know they can cover his innings. Um, Javi Guerra has looked pretty good in, in his short time with the Rays. Um, he's on the 40-man now, so that's pretty cool. I know the command is still a work in progress, but they can they can cover those innings for sure. Um, but it, it is still – it sucks because that he's a really tough matchup. If you're a right-handed batter, that ball is starting behind you when you're in the right-handed batter's box. So, like, you, you're swinging at a pitch that you know is going to come across the plate, but – it's just such a weird, awkward angle. Like it's, it's hard to replace that. So um, it's tough, but they can do it. Yeah. Right now with the expanded rosters, you've got a larger bullpen and, and it's really been, I think kind of a tryout. Like we know the a bullpen or we have a pretty good idea of the top four or five guys that are going to be on the postseason roster in the bullpen. And, you know, obviously you will see who, who gets bumped from the rotation and, and slides into a, a, you know, a bullpen spot. Um, to get down to a four four man rotation, but the rest of this has kind of been a tryout for who's going to be that last man, last man or two on the postseason roster in the bullpen. You've seen guys like Javi Guerra, Sean Armstrong, who I've been impressed with this season, Garrett Clevenger from the left side. If the Rays want another lefty, I think he can get lefties and righties out, but he would be more of a you know, a lefty specialist. You've got Brooks Raley and, and, and Poche, who they've never used as a lefty specialist. They've always used him to attack both lefties and righties. 
Um, so if the Rays wanted another guy like that to go along with a Brooks Rayleigh, who again, like Rays don't have, I, I, I say lefty specialists, I, they're not, they, they can get, you know, they're not guys that struggle against right-handed hitters, but when you're in the postseason and the every inning is a high leverage inning, um, you might use, choose to use those guys when you've got a clump of, you know, left-handed hitters coming up in a certain inning. Um, I, we won't go too deep into it, but. Any chance, like if you're picking between Armstrong, Clevenger, and Guerra, let's say only one of them can make the postseason roster, who would you go with? That's so tough. Like I am so pro Javi Guerra. Like I want to say him, but the smart choice would probably be Clevenger. Like he is, he's so good. Like everything he does, his stuff is really great. The mechanics are insanely good. Like the tunnels are fantastic. It's just it's just a matter of like consistent uh, reps in his mechanics, so he can you know find uh, polish up his command a bit. So I definitely say Clevenger now, but my heart says Guerra just because like that fastball is so cool and they just created it out of nowhere. So I, I want Guerra, but if if I had to pick, I'd say Clevenger. What about you? Uh, I I might go with 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 Sean Armstrong just because I've seen more of him this year. But Garrett Clevenger is coming in, and I think it's probably dependent on um, who you're facing in the first round. You know, Toronto, a lot of right-handed hitters. I don't know if there's as much use for a Garrett Clevenger. I think Javi Guerra could come in and, you know, you get into a game two or a game three of that series, and he's got a pitch in a high-leverage situation in the fifth or sixth inning. You know, it just feels like um, his, his spot on the roster might be more useful in the first round, it, 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 it would be dependent on, on who you face. But I, I would say, I think, I think Clevenger might sneak in there and, and be that last man on. Uh, Tyler Glass now in the middle of a rehab assignment in AAA Durham. He hasn't really been getting stretched out. He threw two innings today, looks really good, two perfect frames, throwing more strikes, stuff in velo, all reports are that that looks really good, like, like he hasn't you know, missed a single game, um, but recovering from Tommy John surgery, it seems like Tyler Glass now in short stints is the same Tyler Glass now uh, we, we knew and loved before the Tommy John surgery. Now the questions are, how close is he to returning to the big leagues? And what will his role look like if, you know, if he does come back, if it will be in the regular season, you'd assume that they'd want to get his feet wet a little bit before throwing him into the to a postseason series. Uh, but I, I'm really kind of just curious as to what his role would look like. It's not going to be a traditional starter, but Ben, what, what do you think he's capable of contributing to this team in 2022? I honestly didn't even think he would come back this season. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about everything, but injury stuff, I'm definitely on the, the side of caution there. So I'm just happy to have him back. I have no clue what kind of role he could be in. Um, I, I feel like they might go towards like a Colin McHugh sort of role where he's like, um, you know, one time through the order, maybe a couple innings, maybe like two and a third, whatever. Um, the stuff is there. He hit 99 three times today, um, threw a lot of fastballs and sliders today. Um, and we, well, I guess he calls it a slutter, right? Like his slider. His slutter, yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say, but the stuff is there. So it's, um, it's exciting. Yeah, and 
I guess that kind of we we talked about the bullpen and what the makeup of it would look like in the postseason. I guess that kind of changes with if you have a Tyler Glass now and you're not using him as a traditional starter, that might bump a, a Clevenger or a Guerra off. It, 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 it's really interesting. Like that's the one thing I think that's left interesting about this regular season. Obviously, we'll talk about potential playoff matchups here in a little bit, but. I would I would love to see Tyler Glass now back. It doesn't feel like they're rushing it. You could tell he's eager to get back. He signed an extension. Like, man, how much of a boost it would be to get him back in this pitching staff in some extent, some capacity. And it's like, I mean, I'll admit it. Back in you know 2018 when they had him, I was like, I don't think this guy is a starter. I think he's going to be a career reliever uh, because you could tell how nasty his stuff would be how effective he would be as a reliever. Now, we know he's just an incredible starter, but if they could use him as a reliever or a guy that's just coming in for one or two innings, I look back to game five of the ALDS in 2020 when he threw the first two innings of that game on short rest against the Yankees, and it was maybe the best he's ever looked. Uh, so to, to, to have the, the thought of using him in, a, in that role or a similar role throughout the postseason when you've already got a pretty stellar pitching staff led by you know McClanahan and Rasmussen, that that makes the Rays so much scarier uh, in in October. So Glassnow could be close to a return. Uh, Shane McClanahan, however, has returned to the rotation and he looks really good. Uh, you know, I think not as sharp as he was before he went down. He's going to need a couple starts to get back into rhythm, uh, but no concerns thus far from me on Shane McClanahan and how he's looked. What have you thought about his his performances coming off the IL? Yeah, I think he's he looks great. Um, I know they're going to be you know careful with him, but he still looks like the same Cy Young contender that we've seen the whole season. So uh, I'm not concerned, and I think this is you know a great opportunity for him to continue to make his case for the Cy Young because really there it, it's hard to find a better starter in the American League than Shane McClanahan. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about his Cy Young candidacy anymore. We'll, we'll save that that discussion for for later in the show, but. Just, just having him back, like when that injury happened that night, coming out of the bullpen, or when they when they just sent Sean Armstrong out. There, I was recapping the game for D Rays Bay that night, and my jaw just kind of dropped when I saw Sean Armstrong out there. And you know, everybody you know immediately assumes the worst, and I did as well. And to see him back so quickly and look so good has just been a breath of fresh air. I think you go into any. I'm thinking about who you can play in the first round that, you know, Shane McClanahan, other than than maybe Shane Bieber, who's kind of, you know, had a really big year this season. I don't, you know, he's going to be the best pitcher out there. Uh, You look at, you know, you got Luis Castillo out in uh, Seattle. Yeah, fine. You got Kevin Gosman in Toronto. The Rays have showed they can score runs against him. Shane McClanahan would be the best pitcher in any first round postseason series. And to get him to give him the ball, go out there in game one. You win game one, you're one game away from moving on to the next round. That is extremely comforting, and it's just been ha- it's just been awesome to see him back. So, Wander Franco, another guy, another important part of this Rays team, back from the IL. Uh, I was worried uh, that you know you you come back with off that hamate surgery, and a lot of times it takes hitters multiple months to get back to where they were. Wander Franco is back to really doing what he was doing before the injury. And now he's still a 21 year old. He's still, you know, practically a rookie. 
Um, there's going to be some some times where he's not ready to light the world on fire yet, but another you know consistent and maybe maybe the best bat in this in this Rays lineup. So yeah, I mean I'm happy to have him back. I know he's been in like the 80 to 90 WRC plus range since returning, so he, he's not like you know like you said lighting the world on fire. But it's nice to have him. He's consistent. You're good at bat is still you know on its way back because of that handmade injury but he's getting there and it's only going to get better with time like he's still healthy it's just he the strength needs to build back up again but that's going to happen as he continues to get you know playing time so i'm not worried about him right now i think if he continues to be kind of quiet at the plate into like early october then maybe a little concerned but he's still on the postseason roster for me just because it's it's wander franco like he's going to be He's going to continue to improve. So, yeah, and you, and you look at what he did in the four postseason games last year. How him and Randy Rosarena kind of were, were were it for the Rays in terms of offensive production. Yeah, he, he's going to start at shortstop. He's going to hit second or third. He's he's going to be there. And yeah, you just need need some more time to to get fully back into the game. Um, JP Fireisen suffered a setback. Sounds like his season is done. Um, that's unfortunate because. When he was hurt, he was probably the Rays' best reliever, one of the best relievers in baseball. You're not going to get him back. But, again, you, you've also got Pete Fairbanks back now. Bullpen is is doing fine. Um, just unfortunate for J.P. Fireisen. Any, any comment on, on Fireisen, what the Rays are missing out on with him on the shelf? You know, it, it sucks to lose Fireisen for the season. Um, you know, the rehab that he would have had to do to get back by October would have been pretty crazy and quick and intense. So it makes sense to let him take the rest of the year off. I know that it would be great to have him because he is another high end reliever that was performing really well this year, but they still have the depth to cover for him. So it's another one where if they had him great, if not, I think they'll be fine. I don't really, I'm not too stressed about it. Yep. And in Shane Baugh's also done for the year. I don't think, you know, when it, we got into September, there was no update on him, you know, going out for a rehab assignment or anything like that. It was pretty clear. This is the direction we were headed in. He's still very young, only 23. They're, they're not going to rush him. Like they want him for 2024. Now I am a little concerned about his development now, like, is he still going to have to work out a lot of those kinks next year? We thought that was kind of going to be the case this year. He was going to get, that, that full rookie season and, you know, by next year be potentially one of the best pitchers in the American League if everything worked out. And I don't want to put too much expectations on him, um, but that was just kind of how, you know, he was he was viewed not only by by Rays fans and, and the team, but you know, as one of the top prospects in baseball that this guy is does have all-star potential. Now he'll miss for this year. We'll see how it goes next year. Like it, I just hope it doesn't turn into, and, and definitely two different types of prospects. Um, but you've got like Luis Patino, who it felt like this year was going to be the year he he broke through and stuck with the, the big league rotation. Injuries derailed that. He struggled. He's been you know more useful at AAA than he has been at the big league level. Um, I, I I don't know. I have that fear for Shane Boz. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but. You know, injuries suck, and pitchers are going to always get hurt. Um, any thoughts on Shane Boss? He's another guy. Like, like I feel like I keep saying this, but it would be great to have him. But, you know, we can cover for him. I know with Glass now returning, um, likely returning, I don't want to put anything in, you know, stone yet. But 
Boz probably would have been a guy who, given the time to rehab, would be in like a maybe two to three inning role. Like, I don't really know if there would be time to get him fully stretched back out. So just get him ready for spring training next year. It does suck that, you know, we're losing a couple months of development here because of his injury, but I don't think anything too crazy is going to, I don't think it's going to hurt him long-term too much just because he is still so young. Um, second youngest pitcher on the, on the 40 man, well, I guess. Yeah. Because he's on the aisle, but second youngest behind Patino. So um, both of them still have time to get their uh, problems figured out. Yeah, for sure. And the other guy who's still on the injured list Roman Quinn, who went on the IL with a knee <laughs> contusion. Uh, we haven't heard anything, whether or not he's progressing, whether or not he's trying to progress. Rehab assignments. We've heard nothing. He's not with the team. I haven't seen him in the dugout. Um, there are chance that this, I mean, I, I don't doubt that he did have a knee injury, uh, but is there a chance that the, the stint has now turned into a phantom IL stint? and the Rays are just keeping him on major league pay and in their back pocket in case they need him. That's kind of what it sounds like. So if that's what's happening, then good for him. Cause he's getting paid to just kind of hang out and be the, the next man up if needed. I don't know if they're going to need him, but injuries can happen to anybody. So it's nice to have him if they need him, but it just seems like, yeah, he's, he's, he's MIA right now. So, the situation definitely could arise. It's improbable, but you've Kevin Kiermaier already out for the year. Brett Phillips has been traded. Uh, there, you know, there's not many more center fielders. You've got Jose Siri, who you brought in at the deadline, of course, and Manuel Margot, who can also play some center field. Um, but behind those two, I mean, you look to AAA, you've got Josh Lowe, who I think they would probably – how, you know, if you needed a center fielder, it would be Roman Quinn before it was Josh Lowe. Quinn had some success while he was up here. Um, he's pretty good defensively, really quick on the bases. If Jose Siri were to go down, I mean, it feels like there's an outside chance Roman Quinn could be like that 26th man on a playoff roster, kind of like Brett Phillips was when, when he did make a playoff roster. That's what I'm thinking too. Like, I don't, I don't think he'll be like, you know, the everyday center fielder, got to have him in the lineup, got to get him in the game somehow, but he's probably the next man up. It's, it's kind of weird. Cause I thought that it would be, you know, Josh, Lowe, Josh Lowe. I keep saying loud Josh Lowe at the beginning of the year, but I don't know how much confidence the Rays have in him to, to man center field. So it's interesting how those things kind of like change throughout a season. And I feel like as fans, we all kind of perceived, him Josh Lowe to be the the next man up but really it's been kind of like Luke Rayleigh's gotten some time up um when Josh Lowe maybe could have gotten time they went out and got Roman Quinn off waivers they went out and got Jose Siri so yeah I I think we're I I think I'm pumping the brakes on on Josh Lowe a little bit I was really high on him but now it just seems like the Rays maybe aren't as high as on him as I thought they were and, you know, I, I see how Quinn could play a role where, okay, let's say, knock on wood, Jose Sierra gets hurt. And you've got Manuel Margot in center, and now you've got your corner outfielders, uh, Randy Rosarena and David Peralta, where you might want a pinch runner for Peralta in a late-game situation or a defensive replacement for a David Peralta in a late-game situation. It's it's not I- ideal. Like, Roman Quinn, like, is not who I'd want to put, put, like, the mortgage on right to help the raise in the postseason, but it feels like he would 
bring more value off the bench than Josh Lowe. Uh, I don't know. That's just that's just a thought. Who knows? Maybe his knee is really messed up and he's just like still not anywhere close to being recovered. I have, I have no clue, but uh, he's still on the IL and there's been no reports that I've been able to find about his status. So rounding up some other news before we take a quick break, Nick Anderson has left the Durham Bulls, not an injury, just decided that it was best for, I don't know who made the decision. If it was, it was, it was a, you know, meetings that happened where the front office and the Bulls coaching staff and, and Nick decided it was best for him just to pack it up for the year. Or if this was something he just did on his own, but his season is over. Um, ben, <laughs> Nick Anderson, will, will he ever throw another pitch for, for the Rays again? Who knows? His stuff is is gone. Like his fastball is flat, and there's no there's no life to it anymore. Um, curveball is is very steep. It used to be like a firm, tight, hard curveball. Now that's kind of just like a, a looping breaking ball. Uh, he's he's been given time to recover, rehab. You know, he was starting to to look a little bit better coming out of his injury, but then he just kind of plateaued. So I I like. I love him. I thought he was great for the Rays. I was happy to have him, but hopefully maybe he can find his stuff again, but it's really not looking too good right now for Nick Anderson. Yeah. It, 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 his stuff really has never returned since the injuries. And to see him kind of go out like this, it kind of feels like he won't be a member of this roster. You know, I don't think if, if the Rays had any plans for him, they probably wouldn't let him just leave towards the end of the season. Um, it feels like if there were three injuries in the bullpen, you need to bring three guys up. Nick Anderson might be the fourth or fifth guy on that list and not get that call. Um, so maybe, you know, the Rays have told him he's going to be a free agent, go home, get ready, start preparing for next season if you want to continue to play. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, and we're at wonder if Nick Anderson will pitch in the big leagues at all again. Um, you know, some of these guys, they'll get a shot. They'll get a minor league deal or a non-roster invite to spring training. Maybe he catches on. Maybe he changes his his, his repertoire a little bit. Um, doesn't rely on the fastball as much as he did. But, yeah, just not great for Nick Anderson, and it's unfortunate. And it feels like uh, that postseason and, and that postseason run in 2020 culminating in him, you know, losing the lead in game six of the World Series – that was kind of it for his career, uh, which which sucks, but that's that's the way it works. And uh, yeah, don't expect him to be back with the Rays next season. Yu Chang also was DFA'd when the Rays um, were bringing back Juan Franco and Brandon Lau from the injured list. Um, unfortunately, you know Yu Chang was claimed, and then Brandon Lau went on the IL a few days later. Would have loved to have him on the roster in that in that Brandon Lau spot. Uh, instead, they brought up uh, Renee Pinto. Uh, so you're carrying three catchers right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, Yu Chang was a was a pleasant surprise, and it sucks to not not have him on the team anymore. It was really fun. Like that was a really fun like what was it like month and a half of just chaos where it was like yeah Yu Chang is on the roster now. Yeah, he's like the starting second baseman, whatever. He, he had some career highs and exit velo. Like he said, he said it like three different times, I think, during his time at the race. Like whatever they were doing with him was working. It was really fun. He was striking out uh, at, a, at a way lower rate than he was previously in his career, making hard contact, hitting the ball to the gap, hitting the ball over the wall. Um, it was fun. I hope 
you know, I wish him the best. I hope yeah, he's with the Red Sox now. So I hope maybe he can hurt the Yankees a little bit for us, but I'm going to miss him. That was fun. He was a fun player. He'll definitely be one of those raised players that you remember like five or six years from now. You'd be like, oh yeah, we did have Yu Chang for a little bit. Oh yeah. We did have Roman Quinn on the team for a little bit that year in 2022 when, you know, the Rays went on to win the world series. I mean, he'll be the answer to, to a trivia question for sure. Uh, the other bit of roster news before we go to break, Bly Madras claimed off waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, this was a little bit unusual. Pirates kind of a, you know, not a great baseball team. They're 55 and 92. Uh, usually a team like the Rays, who we mentioned, are headed towards their fourth straight postseason. Uh, usually not the type of claim you'd, you'd make after the team like the Pirates DFAs a guy like Bly Madras. Uh, but the Rays pick him up. He will be ineligible for the postseason. Uh, he can't, since it was made in the middle of September, he can't come up and then make a playoff roster since he played for the Pirates in September. But an interesting pickup. And, and Ben, I think you might have some more insight on on what he brings to the Rays in terms of organizational depth. Yeah, it's hard to see like where he would fit on a major league roster anytime soon, like with the Rays, because they're, you know, they're pretty much set. And like you said, he's not going to be on the postseason roster but right now he's a solid, you know, triple A platoon guy. He's a left-handed hitter. So um, that's cool, I guess, for whatever that's worth. He's got some good plate discipline, um, good contact rates, like zone contact rate is above average. Um, he can handle corner outfield spots. He can play first base. Um, he's pretty good against right-handed pitching. Like he's, I think he could come in and contribute at the major league level in some capacity that way, but maybe not for the Rays right now. Um, I know that his, I, I've ran like some spreadsheet stuff before, but he had like a 70th percentile line drive plus ground ball rate. So he doesn't really hit a ton of fly balls. So I think he's someone that could benefit from the shift being banned. He does like to pull the ball a little bit. So, you know, all those low line drives and ground balls that he hits could turn into some base hits, but there are going to be a lot of guys like that heading into next season. So, I'm not sure why he's being targeted specifically, but the Rays like him and he hit a three run home run today, like about an hour and a half ago. So good for him. The Rays front office never sleeps, right? You're already looking ahead towards next year. A guy that might come up and get, I don't know, eight plate appearances for the big league team, but who knows? Maybe one of those is a, is, is a double that goes, you know, that would have been stopped by the shift last year and brings in the winning run in a pivotal game. Like that's just how these things work out. Um, the Rays obviously saw something they liked. Maybe Durham needed a extra boost in depth for for their postseason run. I I I honestly don't know if they're going to the playoffs. I just kind of assume that they are at this point. Um, that's that's how it goes for them almost every season. I got to pull up the standings now and and check out the international league standings. Um, yeah, they are in first place by a game and a half, seventy nine and sixty two in the international league East. So. Yeah, maybe they just needed some depth, and uh, they were able to get Bly Madras in. And uh, interesting pickup. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't take read too much into this. Um, there's a good chance he never plays for the Rays, but um, he's a, he is on the 40 man roster, so who knows? Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and on the other side, take a look ahead at some potential postseason opponents for the Rays. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, looking ahead to who they might be facing in the first round of the postseason. So new format this year, just keep you up to speed. Uh, Seven teams from each league make the postseason. Top two division winners out of the three division winners. The top two get a bye to the division series. So they'll go straight to the ALDS or the NLDS, while the other four teams, whoever is the division winner with the worst record, plus three wild cards, not two wild cards, there's three now, will play in a wild card round, which is a best of three series hosted by the higher seed. So there is no travel. You would play three straight games in in three days uh, at one ballpark. And so the only way for the Rays to get home field in this round would be to finish in the top wild card spot because the other home field spot would go to the division winner this year. That'll be the winner of the AL central. Um, Currently in the standings, the Rays are in the second wild card spot. Um, Toronto holds the first one. They're 83 and 64. They're a half game better than the Rays tied in the loss column right now. The Rays in the second wild card spot at 82 and 64. And then the last wild card spot is Seattle with a record of 80 and 64. So again, Tied with the Rays in the loss column, uh, but have two less wins. And actually, uh, they were losing last time I checked against the Angels. So that could drop to a game and a half back behind the Rays. Baltimore also four and a half out of the last wild card spot. Um, they're still kicking around. They're still in it, but unlikely for them to catch up at this point. Never say never. And the White Sox and Twins, much better chance of one of them coming back to win the AL Central than it is to get that third wild card spot. Uh, so now we're caught up on the format. We're all squared away. Right now, if the season were to end today, it would be the Toronto Blue Jays hosting the Rays in the first round, a best of three series. Ben, talk to me about the Blue Jays. What scares you about that team? What are some weaknesses that they have that you think the Rays could exploit? And and how would you feel if that was the playoff matchup going into round one? It's not my preferred matchup. I'd much rather face the winner of the AL Central, but it's not. it wouldn't be terrible to face Toronto. Um, it does suck having to go into Toronto to play that game because, you know, we might lose Brooks Raley, but who knows about that? So maybe he'll he'll do something about it. But anyways, yeah, I wouldn't I'm not too scared of Toronto. They've got a pretty good top 2 in their rotation with um Gosman and Manoa, but then other than that, it's kind of fuzzy. So the Rays have shown they can handle both of those guys a little bit. Um but their offense is really the the thing that, you know, sells tickets for that team because they are they've got a really strong offense. It's potent, uh, up and down like 1 through 9, everybody can play pretty well. I'm a little surprised at how healthy they've been all year. So that's kind of like there's there's that to it because they haven't really had their depth tested very much. And I'm not, you know, wishing injuries on them heading into the final month of the season, but I'm just kind of wondering how they've been so healthy when, you know, a lot of other teams haven't. So 
anyways, long story short, I'm not too scared of Toronto. I know the Rays can handle, you know, their pitching staff, but their offense is really, really strong. So I don't know. What, how do you feel about Toronto? I They're scarier to me in a three-game series than they would be in a five- or seven-game series, and I think that's down to the pitching. Like you said, led by Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa, two studs. Now, the Rays have had some success. They have been able to score runs against these guys this year, but you know, on their day, they're two of the best pitchers in the American League. So in a three-game series, if those guys come in games one and two and shut you down, that's, you know, that's game over. Um, now, again, you'll be backing that up with, with Shane McClanahan and Drew Rasmussen or maybe Shane McClanahan and Tyler Glass now in a bullpen day. Like, who knows how the Rays would attack that. But in a two-game series, I think they're much scarier. Like you said, the, the pitching depth beyond that, Jose Barrios has, has has not been good this year. Uh, Ross Stripling is about as average as average can get. Uh, and then you've got, what, like Trevor Richards and Yusei Kikuchi providing length out of the bullpen. I don't see how, in a five-game series, they have the, the, the quality innings in their pitching staff to beat you know the elite the other elite teams in the American League. Uh, in a three-game series, though, like I said, you got those two studs. You've got a stellar lineup. Uh, with with Guerrero and Bachet and Alejandro Kirk, um, but I think out of the potential matchups in the first round for the Rays, assuming they don't go on to win the American League East, uh, this would be the scariest. Uh, let's move on to Seattle and take a look at because again the the, the standings are so close right now on the wild card. Who knows how it's going to end up? You look at their pitching. Uh, you've got Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, George Kirby, and Marco Gonzalez. That's their five-man rotation. I'm guessing you would see, a, depending on how the you know the, the season winds down, you'd see Castillo in game one, Robbie Ray in game two. Uh, but then, you know, Gilbert and Kirby in a three-game series, like if they need to feature, they're going to feature if, if things get tight for the Mariners early on. Uh, this is a team that kind of maybe is is overperforming or outperforming their expectations. Julio Rodriguez, maybe the favorite for American League Rookie of the Year. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, the lineup doesn't scare me as much as Toronto, but you do have some more left-handed hitters. I think Shane McClanahan, you know, he's obviously he's not a <laughs> a, a guy with, with super uh, big splits, but you love how his stuff would play against lefties. And uh, some some really good pitchers like a Brooks Raley who would be available if you had to go to Seattle or if you hosted Seattle, uh, he might not be or he wouldn't be available unless he gets vaccinated to play at Toronto. Uh, but you could see him attacking a Jesse Winker and an Adam Frazier and doing really well. I, I think this would be a really fun series. The Mariners are a team that like I've always had a a weird soft spot for. Not when they play the Rays because it's it's incredibly frustrating whenever these two teams play. Uh, the Mariners usually hanging around like 500, but find a way to sweep the Rays. Uh, so I'd be nervous, but I think I like the matchup more than the one against Toronto. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I like this matchup maybe about the same, just because Seattle does have like maybe one of the best, if not the best, like top three rotations for that, you know, three game series. So like you said, Castillo, Robbie Ray, and then like, Gilbert Kirby in tandem could probably would probably be what they throw out. So they've got a really strong bullpen too. I know they're kind of overperforming a little bit, but they're they're pretty deep in that bullpen. So the whole pitching staff is really strong. The offense doesn't really scare me. Um, they're definitely streaky, but 
if they're scoring three to four runs a game in a, in a postseason series, that might be enough with that pitching staff. So um, I, I don't know how much the Rays are going to hit anyways in the postseason. It kind of depends on where their guys are at, how healthy they are. So it would be a fun, like close series, like a lot of probably low scoring games, but I think that would definitely be the most fun series. And I've kind of had a soft spot for Seattle too. Um, I've always kind of liked underdog teams and they haven't done much in the postseason in a very long time. So um, that, that's cool to me. I kind of like it. So I think it'd be fun. Yeah. And the last one would be if the Rays finish third in the wild card standings and have to play the right now, the current leaders in the American League Central, the Cleveland Guardians. Now, Shane Bieber having another incredible season. Um, they've got some other talented pitchers, Aaron Savale, Tristan McKenzie, who are kind of up and down at this point. McKenzie's probably the scarier of the two. Um, but then some some really uh, tough arms in the bullpen. Emmanuel Classe may be the best reliever in baseball right now. James Karinchak, who has had a bit of a career resurgence after being like optioned down uh, last year. Trevor Stefan, also really effective. On the pitching side of things, it it just worries me that you get Shane Bieber on a good night and you're down 1-0 early on in the series and then to try to win both games against that bullpen feels like a really tough battle. Now, three-game series, there's going to be tons of variance. And again, we can talk about how great the pitchers are on the other side. You've still got Shane McClanahan. uh, But this lineup for me, the, the Cleveland lineup, feels so much more manageable than that of Toronto and Seattle. You've got Jose Ramirez. He's an MVP caliber hitter. Um, Josh Naylor can hit. Andres Jimenez has had a good season. You've got Ahmed Rosario, Stephen Kwan. Like none of those names strike fear into me. Like you look at Seattle where you see a Julio Rodriguez, who is, you know, one of the, the upcoming big stars in baseball or Toronto where you've got already, you know, MVP candidates there and, and Vlad Guerrero and some other really good hitters. I, I would like the Rays heavily in this series, uh, but again, it, it does scare me with that bullpen, honestly, would be, I think, what gives the Rays the hardest time. Definitely. I think that the the pitching, you know, the starters aren't great, but in a three-game series, they're going to go pretty heavy on the bullpen. Like, they'll definitely lean on those guys. Their offense doesn't really scare me either. Um, they're definitely annoying. Like, they they love to hit, like, singles. They love to put the ball in play. Um, they make a ton of contact. They don't strike out much. So they're irritating, but they're not really like scary. Um, like when they came to to the trop a little while ago, like those were pretty frustrating losses. But I think, you know, if the Rays are are putting their best arms in the game and they're not punting any of the games away, like by putting in Ralph Garza or anything like that, like the, it, it's going to be a close series. But I, I like the Rays a lot against Cleveland. I think that's probably the best matchup. I would just hate for them to, you know, play for a third wild card spot and then get knocked out, which I don't think they'll do. But I would prefer to play Cleveland out of all the teams, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, although we would we would 100% get babbipped out of the playoffs playing Cleveland. Like <laughs> Stephen Kwan would go in that series like 9 for 12 with nine singles and only one of them was hit above 90 miles an hour. Like that's that's definitely yeah. definitely how it would work out. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting. Um, like I said, the Rays comfortably in a postseason spot. They're still not out of it for the division. You'd have to not only pass um, the Blue Jays, you know, the, the Yankees, of course. You're about to be six. I think the Yankees 
are finishing up their win over Milwaukee, which means you're six games out with just a couple weeks to go. Um, but I guess it's still possible, but sites definitely set on the wild card round. And my only hope is you get to host home games. Uh, one, because it'd be cool. Maybe I can get down there for one of those games. Two, you get to have Brooks Rayleigh on your team, uh, which I think helps. And uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's it's going to be fun. It's it's fun having something to root for in the standings where we're still playing for, for home games. And it, that that's a really big deal. And we'll see how it works out. So um, before we go to one more break and do our, our, our raise your voice segment, I wanted to kind of round up the American League awards talk. And I think we got to start with the big one, American League MVP. Ben, I want to put you on the spot. I mean, Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani, who, who would you vote for? So as like a rational person, I would say Aaron Judge, just because what he's doing is like a crazy season. But like, I hate the Yankees. So that's part of it. I want Shohei Otani to win. Like, Nobody can do what he does. Like, and I know Aaron Judge is having a great year, and I kind of think he deserves MVP a little bit. But like, Aaron Judge could not do what Shohei Otani is doing. But you put Shohei Otani in Yankee Stadium, he might be able to pull off what Aaron Judge is doing. Like, put him in there for whatever it is, eighty-one games. He he might be able to do that. Yeah, and I don't think this is how people should vote on the MVP award. But if Aaron Judge, in the season he's having, he just hit two more home runs today. He's at 59 now. His wins above replacement on fan graphs will now be into the double digits. If this isn't a good enough season to win AL MVP, uh, then then I don't know like what else Aaron Judge is supposed to do. Now, again, that's not how you should vote for MVP. If Shohei Otani is having a better season and you, you truly think that Otani is having a better season, you have evidence to back that up, then yeah, vote for Shohei Otani. And I really struggle on this because there's been lots of articles written of, you know, how much does, does wins above replacement calculate the value of Shohei Otani? He's a position player and a pitcher. He's now hitting on the days he's pitching. He's a DH, so he doesn't have that. You know, Aaron Judge has played a pretty solid center field. He's better in a corner, but has filled in for the Yankees valiantly and, and done pretty well out there this year. Uh, Otani is a DH. He only typically only pitches every sixth day instead of every fifth day. Uh, but you look at the numbers he's racking up, and he's right up there on the top of the leaderboards in pitching and in hitting. I don't know how to quantify that. And in terms of value, I can't think of a more valuable player. If you're putting together the best roster you can for 2023, you're doing a fantasy draft, right? Shohei Otani is the guy you're taking. He provides more value than anyone in baseball, than anyone in the American League. In terms of who's had the most valuable season, though, like. I, I I think it has to be Aaron Judge. And the, the symbolism of him, if he, if he breaks the, the American League home run record, some people might argue it's the, the true single-season home run record. Um, he, he's very close to 60 now. Very, you know, one, 61 would get him to Roger Maris's record. It feels like this will be the year for Judge to win MVP. And I think the voters, well, that's ultimately the decision they'll make. But if it, if it goes to Otani, like, how can anyone be mad? I mean, he is that good, that valuable. Like, he might even be in the discussion to win Cy Young as well. I don't think he'd win it, but he could be a finalist. Right. Who do you have winning the American League Cy Young now? 
I, I think it's still judged just because the Cy Young. It, it would be hard to not give it. Oh, Cy Young. I'm sorry. Yeah, why not judge? Let's see if we can pitch. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'd probably go. Um, I, I'd still go McClanahan. Um, I haven't looked at it in like a week and a half, but I, I kept checking on like players who have the lowest like weighted on base average against, and then also like who has the highest whiff rate among those guys. And Justin Verlander does have the edge in weighted on base, weighted on base average, but like by like 10 points, I want to say, but then Shane McClanahan is getting like almost like 30% more whiffs than, well, okay. That's a bad way to say that. Actually, he's getting like almost double the amount of whiffs that Verlander gets. So it's like, he's been like, I, I, I just, I think McClanahan has been better, but I don't know if the voters will give it to him because they really, really like era and Verlander's era is really pretty and he's got like the workload too like he's gonna have way more innings than McClanahan so I think they're gonna give it to Verlander but I still think McClanahan is more deserving yeah I don't know I look at Dylan Cease I, I think right now it's up in the air and I think these last few starts from from all three of these guys are really gonna matter Shane Bieber is still hanging around in there, and if you you know you got a voter that that really appreciates the innings workload, Bieber is probably going to get to two hundred or get at least you know very close. Uh, and his ERA is you know two eight three, so it's not near what Cease, McClanahan, or Verlander are doing, but the innings are there for sure. The walks are really low. I I, I think I think I go with with Verlander right now. He's only ten innings below Cease. I might go Verlander, Cease, then McClanahan, and 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 I do think that's not me saying who the best pitcher is. Like if I'm taking one of those three guys, I'm taking McClanahan. But if I want to reward who's had the better season, yeah, the the, the strikeouts McClanahan or McClanahan and Cease are going to edge out Verlander. But uh, there's so much debate you can have over how lucky Verlander's been. He's obviously still been very good. Uh, but when you have a one seven eight ERA, a lot of that's you know your your peripherals aren't going to match that, right? Um, I'd still give it to him if I if I had a vote and I were making a, that vote today. But McClanahan has I don't know three stellar starts. It could be him, um, and, and maybe it it it, it would be him. Um, so I'd, I'd go Verlander. I feel, I feel like he's going to be tough to usurp at this point. Um, but yeah, that's that's just kind of my take. Manager of the year. Uh, could Kevin Cash win it for a third straight year? Oh yeah, easily. Like he's got like a new challenge every season. This year it's like figure out how to keep you know the the team above five hundred when with like the most injuries in baseball, and he's done it. Like, I mean, it's it's an organizational thing, and he's not responsible for like you know going out and developing players, but he's out there putting the lineups together. He's like the figurehead for the team essentially. Um, and I I don't really see who else could win it over him. Maybe like. Whoever's in Seattle, just because they've had a fun year. Uh, Baltimore was kind of cool for a little bit till they fizzled out. But Cash is probably the best manager. Um, it's it's definitely not going to go to like Aaron Boone or anything. So yeah, with, um, with the Yankees, yeah, what, what do you think? With, with the Yankees having their their mini collapse, I think that eliminates Boone. Um, I don't think Dusty Baker would win it with Houston. Um, Tito Francona and Cleveland. That just uh, they haven't like the. They have a 541 winning percentage. They're going to win their division, but I don't think it would go to Tito. 
I think that, you know, Toronto fired their manager. Like, they t- fired Charlie Montoya, and they find el- themselves in a in a postseason spot. I think the finalists are going to be Cash, Scott Cervais, and, and Seattle, and Brandon Hyde in Baltimore. And I think Sir- it's either Cervais or Service. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. Uh, but I think he'll win it. Um, it's Brandon Hyde. Like, if the if the if if Baltimore gets really close and maybe they're playing meaningful games in the last week of the season, then I get it. But it's tough for Kevin Cash to win it three years in a row. That's obviously not a knock on his, you know, his managing. That's just the way this award usually goes. Like it usually goes to the best manager who hasn't won it yet. Like it's really hard to win more than one. Um, Joe, I know Joe Madden did it. Uh, now Kevin Cash has done it, but to win three in a row, it just doesn't feel like that's the way the voters will take this thing. If the Rays had won the division with the injuries they're dealing with, like if they had swept the Yankees last weekend and, and made it really interesting and, and pulled off the AL East, then I'd say yes, 100%. Kevin Cash, manager of the year. But, you know, sneaking into the wild card as the second wild or third wild card team, that doesn't feel like when you're already the two-time defending manager of the year, doesn't feel like that's enough to get it done. Uh, but I'd love to see him win it a third time. That would that would be great. I truly think he's the best manager in baseball, um, him and probably Dave Roberts. So uh, it would be great to see him win it again. I just, I just think it's unlikely. And, and rookie of the year... We're only staying on the American League side today. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, maybe someone else. Who's your pick? For me, it's it's got to be Julio. Like, what an exciting player. Like, it's – yeah, and he's been such a big part of that Seattle team who looks like they're going to make the postseason. Uh, they're, they're pretty comfortable right now in the wild card, so I think they're good there. So I really think Adley might be, like, the most valuable just because of what he provides to that pitching staff in Baltimore and just, like – as soon as he was at, I mean, they were like, you know, hanging around a little bit, but as soon as he got added to that big league roster, it was like a huge change happened. So he, he calls the games really well, which we can't really quantify yet. Um, he's a great framer, uh, incredible bat for such a young uh, catcher. So like catchers typically aren't great hitters, but he's really solid. Um, but I, I still think it's Julio just because he's so exciting and he's kind of like leading that Seattle team uh, into the playoffs for the first time in, in quite a long time. So uh, who, do you, who do you think is the rookie of the year? I think Julio. I think the numbers don't lie. He's been incredible. He hasn't played like a rookie at all. I know he struggled like his first couple of weeks, but then really kind of burst onto the scene and he stayed that way. He's come back off the IL, performed well for Seattle right at the top of their lineup. It, it, it feels like that one makes sense. Um, yes, if Adley can have a great surge the last couple of weeks, get Baltimore into the playoffs, maybe that discussion changes. But uh, for now, it's got to be Julio. But I think, obviously, both of those guys have really bright futures uh, in baseball. So we'll take one more quick break. And on the other side, Ben and I are going to raise our voice a little bit and share what our preferred postseason lineup would be. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Raise Your Voice here with Ben Whitelaw from RBLR Sports. And Ben, you know, we're not jinxing anything. The Rays haven't clinched anything yet, but they're now a five and a half game lead over Baltimore for that you know, that last wild card spot. 
and it feels like they're headed towards their fourth straight postseason. There's been some roster shuffling. There's been some injuries. There's been a lot of changes as of late. And so I want to go through what our, you and I, our, our preferred postseason lineup would be. And we're going to do this versus right-handed pitching. We'll, we can talk about you know what changes we would make if it was a lefty on the mound, uh, but not a lot of it. We went through those potential postseason opponents. Robbie Ray, I think, would be the only lefty that they'd have to uh, face off against in terms of starting pitching. So let's start off with, with the leadoff hitter. Who do you have in the leadoff spot? Okay, so I guess I probably should have asked this before, but are we assuming everybody is healthy or just what we have right now? I, I would say we're we're assuming uh, – is his question surrounded or uh, based on Brandon Lau's health status? I'm guessing? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's it. So I would say assume Brandon Lau is healthy, yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Then I'm going lead off Brandon Lau, uh, playing second base. He's like statistically by like WRC plus um, the best, if not the second best lead off hitter um, in Ray's history from like the one spot. I think Randy might have edged him out recently, but I'm going to go Brandon Lau. Uh, He's a great tone setter and he's not going to break out of his postseason funk by sitting on the bench. So I want him first bat in the lineup, uh, getting as many appearances as possible against a righty. Okay, I'm going I'm going Yandy Diaz uh, at third base. I know like Yandy was really just the leadoff hitter against lefties. We saw him, you know, hit those two home runs in Oakland in the wild card game a couple years ago. Uh, now he's really just been the leadoff hitter. Um, I know we've seen Jonathan Rondo, we've seen Brandon Lau, we've seen a couple other guys get that shot in the leadoff spot. Uh, but I really love Yandy's uh, his plate discipline, his you know his ability to to get on base, spray the ball, hit for some power in certain situations. He's not a power hitter by any means, um, but to me he is he's the perfect leadoff hitter, and he's exactly who I want there in the postseason. Uh, let's go to number two hitter. Mine is Wander Franco at shortstop. Um, I I think. He might not be right now, but he, he's the best hitter on this team, and he will be going forward. He was great in the postseason last year. I want him right there in the number two spot where I think he'll continue to hit um, for the remainder of his contract and playing shortstop. Ben, what about you? Yeah, me too. Wander Franco. I think the, the power and the, the line drive power especially is going to start to come back as he continues to you know build up that strength in his hand. So. I think by October he's going to be set. I know we got to go through a little bit of growing pains right now, but it, it'll pay off soon. So yeah, Wander's my number two hitter, playing shortstop for sure. And, and again, just to reiterate, this is our you know these are our lineups, not what we think Kevin Cash will put out on the field. This is what we would do if if we were Kevin Cash, if we were the manager. Um, in the number three spot, who do you have, Ben? I've got Yandi. So I like him as a leadoff hitter. I really love his at-bats. I love his approach. Um, I like him at three, and he's at also at third base here um, because he really slows the game down. Like, he's not going to be just a quick automatic out. Like, yeah, he sometimes likes to attack early, but he's at his best when he's seeing, like, you know, at least three, four, five pitches in at-bat, which he's very capable of doing. He's comfortable hitting with two strikes. And, you know, if you've got a runner on in scoring position and you've got an out, or two, maybe you're down to two strikes. Yandy's probably the guy that I want because I know he's going to to put the ball in play with authority. So I like Yandy at the three spot. Okay, I went with with Randy Rosarena out in left field. Oh, did you have Diaz at, at third base? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, so I've got Randy out in left again. Um, we we know what he's capable of in the postseason. Um, I I don't believe that hitters become 
different hitters in the postseason. I know you'll you'll hear that narrative a lot, especially surrounding Brandon Lau or a guy like Randy Rosarena. But there is something about Randy and the way he feeds off of those 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 that energy. And he did it in 2020 uh, until the World Series where there were no fans in the stands. But he is a player that I think lives for the big moment. We watched him steal home in a playoff game last year. Um, we've seen him try to steal a million bases this year. I think he is, you know, in a, in a, in a big game situation, um, one of those guys who went right there in the middle of the lineup. And last year, again, in the postseason, he, he looked really good, too, through four games. Um, I've got him right there in the three spot. Uh, playing left field moving into the cleanup spot i'm going with david peralta at dh now peralta doesn't have a, a ton of pop if you can see the theme i'm going with here i've got diaz franca rose Reina, now peralta a lot of righty lefty switching on and off um, so i'm going with peralta in the designated hitter spot again he's going to get on base he's going to put the ball in play maybe he gets a hold of one or two and and, and drives in a few runs that way um, but I like him right down the middle lineup at fourth. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. I almost put him there, but I put Randy there playing right field. Um, I, I mean, he could really just play either left or right, but I've got him in right field batting fourth. Like you said, he's a guy that just, he lives for that kind of big moment. And it's really like, I, I don't fully believe like clutch is a thing in baseball. I think good hitters hit, bad hitters don't. But Randy really loves the spotlight. Um, and it just seems like, he's he loves that big moment so in a run producing spot he's i think uh batting in third is great too um fourth is also you know a good run producing spot and that's that's a good place in the lineup for randy so i went with him fourth uh playing right field and, and again like uh you know it's not like a rosarena is a, a bad hitter and we're just moving him to the middle of the lineup because of his postseason history no he's been especially in the second half really good uh and and, yeah. and really putting together a solid season um, the base running, I think, has gotten better. He's still going to get thrown out. I wanted to steal, try to steal bases a little less. Uh, but in the postseason, there is, I think, an advantage to being aggressive on the bases. It forces the other team to make a great defensive play. And we've seen that work both ways, right? Manuel Margot tried to steal home in the World Series against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers, and he almost did it. And who knows how that series would have ended had he been safe. A Rosarina did it against the Red Sox, and it worked. Um, so a Rosarena, you know he's always going to look to take the extra base. He scored from first on a single the other day against Toronto. Um, I like that aggressiveness in the postseason. Don't rely on your hitters to come through against some, you know, usually top-of-the-line pitching that you see in October. So, um, so yeah, you went with a Rosarena in the four-hole, so now moving into the five-spot. I'm going with Harold Ramirez at first base. I almost put him in the four spot, uh, but again, I wanted to keep with my theme of going righty, lefty, righty, lefty. Um, so I got him in the number five spot. What a, what a great signing he's been this year for the Rays. I've got him at first base and uh, just puts everything in play, doesn't strike out a ton, doesn't hit for a ton of power. Um, but again, you know, if the Rays string together some hits, I want, I want him right there in the middle of the lineup to, to, to bring in some runs. So I'll go with Harold Ramirez playing first. Awesome. Great choice. I also put a, a first baseman in the fit in the five hole here. And I went with Jimon Choi. I really love the at-bats he's had recently. I know he had a bit of a funk where he was kind of injured, but playing hurt, like not injured enough to go on the IL, but also too injured to be productive. But he's starting to hit the ball really hard now. I think he, he barreled up, I think two balls today. It was either one or two, but they were all, all of his, all of his at-bats have been looking a lot better. 
Um, he's seeing a lot of pitches. He's not swinging that much. He's taking his walks again. So um, I want him in the five spot, especially against a right-handed pitcher. I honestly don't really want him in the lineup against a lefty. Um, just the the platoon advantage there is is pretty extreme, or his platoon splits. So yeah, I want Troy playing first base, batting fifth in a postseason lineup against a righty. Yeah, and I guess I'll say now my change for a lefty would be to bring Isak Paredes in for David Peralta, probably, or I don't know. I have to look at it a little closely. Uh, if you've got, you know, I don't want to give away a later spot in my lineup. I guess that's next. So we'll actually go to the sixth spot. I've got Brandon Lau down here in the sixth spot. Um, I, that's part of me just saying, okay, I'm assuming he's going to be back and playing. I'm just not convinced that he's going to be ready and my big fear is that he's going to come back still not be fully healthy and struggle and the 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 brandon lao postseason narrative is just going to continue to to build and build i hope that's not the case i hope he just like it's not even i I want him to get hits and hit home runs to help the rays win i just like don't want people to continue yelling about brandon lao in the playoffs so i've got him hitting sixth and playing second base um, and in in Gmon Troy, I'll come out and say it. You had Gmon Troy in there. I I don't have him in my in my lineup. I, I like I said, I had Harold Ramirez at first base, and I had David Peralta at DH. So there's no spot for Gmon Troy. Um, I, I I just haven't been convinced that something's wrong, right? Like either he's hurt or there's something wrong with his swing. I know he's had some better at bats recently. I'm just not confident in in, in his abilities right now. Um, but I've got Brandon Lau uh, hitting six, playing second. Um, that's my last true lefty in the lineup after David Peralta. So I got Peralta and Lau. Uh, ben, what about you? Yeah, I think that's fair about Troy. I mean, we definitely want to see more of this. Like, you know, he's starting to get a groove. We definitely want to see it happen a little bit more. Um, but I've got Peralta playing left field uh, in the sixth spot here. He's been pretty solid with the Rays. I mean, we haven't. He hasn't really hit any home runs yet, which is kind of weird because he usually does that to an extent. So. I think the power is going to come just eventually. Um, but yeah, he's put in some good swings on the ball. His defense has been great. Um, he had a, a really nice game yesterday defensively, um, but he's just a, a solid all, all around well-rounded player. And yeah, I mean, especially against right-handed pitching, he's a guy that you want in the lineup every day. For sure. For sure. Um, into the seven spot, I'm going with Manuel Margot in right field. Um, I'm interested to see where, because you've already got your corners taken up between a Rosarine and Peralta. So I'm interested to see what you do as we get down to seven, eight, nine here. Uh, but I've got Margot out and right, and that probably tips my hand as to who I have in center later on in the lineup. Yeah, I have a feeling we both have the same center fielder. But in the seventh spot here, I've got the DH, Jonathan Aranda. I think he's, I think he's going to make Ooh. the postseason roster. I feel pretty good about that right now, unless you know something crazy happens. But the bat is very, very real. The glove is, I, I we've, we've seen it. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I want him DHing in the seventh spot. He's just a line drive machine and he's consistent with it. Like the standard deviation in his launch angle is like so small. And he just, he's either hitting like, you know, line drives with a, a 20 degree launch angle, or he's hitting them with like a, a 10 degree launch angle. So there's really like, he's very consistent with it. He has incredible control of the bat. Um, I feel like seventh is a, is a good spot for him where there's not too much pressure. Um, he won't really have to run the bases too much, which he's not great at, but he, he can do it. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got Jonathan Aranda batting seventh playing in the DH spot. 
Yeah, I I can. I was trying to find a way to get him in, but if if ultimately if Brandon Lau's healthy and I and I want uh, Margot in the lineup. Oh, that's true. To yeah. Shuffle things around it, and I do want Margot in the lineup because I would have had to then move Peralta to a corner, and then Aranda either second base or DH. Um, I, I I like Margot in the lineup. I think defensively, like with, with who else I've got out there, it, it just solidifies things. Um, in the eight spot, uh, Francisco Mejia catching. Um, I, I didn't really put too much thought into Bethancourt starting. Um, he'll definitely get some plate appearances in the postseason. Mejia, I like a little bit more defensively, and I just feel like he's earned that that starting spot behind the plate. Um, but I, I did I did think about it for a second, but ultimately decided to go with with Mejia. Yeah, it's it's pretty close with the catchers, honestly. Um, I just like Bethancourt's power a little bit more, so I've got him playing catcher, batting eight for me, and. I think Mejia, like in terms of, you know, working with the team, I think he's probably earned it more because Bethancourt is still pretty new. Um, I just like Bethancourt's bat more to start because Mejia is a really good pinch hitting option. He can come off the bench um, and pretty much he's going to put the ball in play to some extent. So I really like that from him as a pinch hitter later in the game. He can, you know, also bat from both sides of the plate, which is a plus. So, um, you know, strategically, he could be a really nice matchup in the later innings of a game. So I like Bethancourt. His framing has been terrific, uh, really good pop time, too. And he worked well with pretty much everybody on the pitching staff. I know Mejia and Kluber, like, Kluber has said good things about Mejia, but, like, the numbers when they're working together usually aren't that great. So it could be a fluke. It could be a small sample size thing. But I still went with Bethancourt catching and, and batting eight. I don't think like I wouldn't be worried if if the Rays go with Bethancourt. I wouldn't be like cursing Kevin Cash for for benching Francisco Mejia. I think they'd be fine either way. Um, in the nine spot, I've got Jose Siri in center field. Um, having an outfield of a Rosarena, Siri, and Margot from left to right, like I think I, I don't think anyone in the postseason can match that defensively. Uh, Siri has been so incredible out there. Like you think the Rays, you look at their roster, you think okay. They're going to be playing in September without Kevin Kiermaier, without Brett Phillips, but they're going to be just as good, if not, dare I say, better defensively in the outfield. Um, that just wouldn't have computed, but you bring Jose Siri in. He reminds me so much of BJ Upton in the outfield. And to the bat has, has been there too. He had a home run today, back-to-back home runs, uh, him and Bethancourt. And I think having him in the nine spot, great, you know, with the legs. If he gets on base, you could see him scoring on a, on you know a ball into the gap from first, whether it be Yanni Diaz or Wander Franco in the one or two spot. Um, for me, he was one of the first names I I wrote down on my you know fake little lineup card here. I wasn't sure where I was going to put him in the lineup. Ultimately, he slid down to the nine spot, but I knew I, I I had to have him in there somewhere. Yeah, I like Siri playing center field, batting ninth as well. I think he's it, it's a really nice like kind of fake leadoff hitter spot down there where. There's not like the pressure of being a leadoff hitter, but we still get the benefits of his speed. Um, he's one of the best base runners in the league um, in terms of stolen bases and going like first to third, second to home. Uh, he's really fun to watch defensively. Like he makes it look so easy out there when I know that it's not like it's it's crazy. And I think his home run today might have been a career high exit velocity. I'm not 100 percent sure, but oh. I want to say it was like 112 and that's pretty impressive. So um He's definitely figuring some things out at the plate. I know consistent playing time is definitely helping him, but yeah, don't quote me on that exit velo thing, but I'm pretty sure it was, but 
Yeah, he's a he's a great like kind of one-two punch with Brandon Lau because Brandon Lau is a sneaky good base runner. He might be the second best base runner on the team behind Siri. Um, not like a stolen base threat, but just instincts and and taking the extra ninety feet when he can. So you know, turning a lineup over and going Siri Lau Wander that's a that's a really nice combination. So yeah, I like Siri in the nine spot. So so in terms of personnel, the only difference we have is you have Aranda in and I have Margot in. Like those, those are the right. only two where we have a difference in, in who's actually in the lineup. Um, a couple changes in the in the order. Um, I've got Peralta as my DH. I think his his just experience probably puts him over the edge for me. Um, but yeah, I mean Jonathan Aranda, and there's a chance Brandon Lau's not back, right? And then Aranda's definitely in the lineup in some capacity. Whether that means he's at second or he's the DH and Taylor Walls is at second. Um, otherwise, I think the, the bench is, you know, for either of us, either of our lineups, the bench is still really strong. What I like about the bench is I think there's a specific spot for, for everyone that's on that bench. You know when you're going to use a, a Jonathan Aranda or a David Peralta to come in and hit or a Taylor Walls to come in and, and, and play defense. So I think the, the fact that, that whoever you have, you know, Bethancourt, if you need a big hit late in the game, maybe you bring him in. Uh, you know, for Siri against a left-handed pitcher. Um, I think everybody on that bench will have a specific role. And I, I think that that's, that's what's exciting. Yeah. It's, it's a surprising, I mean, I guess it's not, I don't want to say it's surprising, but it's kind of a surprisingly deep offense and a pretty deep lineup. I know assuming Brandon Lau is back, that makes it deeper, but even without him, like I'm not too stressed about the Rays ability to score runs in the postseason. Um, I know it's not going to be the best offense in, in the postseason that's for sure. But with a really great pitching staff, like top to bottom, and then a pretty deep lineup where everybody's got like a specific kind of role that I think they, they have a pretty good chance to make a strong run this postseason. Yeah. And um, for a lefty, I think I'd bring Isak Paredes in. I'm not sure if I'd bring him in for Peralta or allow, I would definitely bring him in for one. And I, I, I just, I'd have to see who it was against. I think Peralta and Lau can both hit against lefties. Um, just depending on who the actual pitcher is. Um, but that's probably the only change. Maybe I'd start Bethancourt behind the plate, but in terms of personnel, that's probably the only change I would make is bringing um, Isak Paredes in. Yeah, me too. That was like the big one. And I would get him in the game for sure. And I, I like Mejia a little bit more against left-handed pitching. So I think he would start for me there, but it, it's pretty much the same. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good team. Like they have a really good you know, a potential to be a good offense if they can all, you know, get it together. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that's going to do it for, for this week's episode of raise your voice. I hope you enjoyed Ben and I breaking it down and raising our voice on who our preferred lineups will be. Once the Rays reach the postseason. we'll see who they'll come up against. I'm hoping to get some home games against either Seattle or Toronto, but we'll just have to wait and see how the season pans out. Ben, thank you for coming on and uh, raising your voice today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, this is always great. I think this is my third time on, but it's still like, you know, just as cool and exciting as, as the first time. Um, yeah, great. Thank, thank you so much. And, and where can people find the work you do with RBLR Sports? That's important. I always forget that part. So you can check us out at RBLR Sports on any social media thingy. Um, I'm pretty much only on Twitter, a little bit Reddit, but I try to stay away from there these days. Um, I'm at dogpancake 73 um i've been like kind of talking casually with like the the twitter account for ray's farm report and they've got some cool stuff too they like post videos of like everything every day like it's really cool to watch tyler glass now's rehab stuff so definitely go check that out 
Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's, that's all my social media. Thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, Ben, thank you for coming on and thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great race coverage. If you want every episode from the DRays Bay podcast network, download it directly to your device. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform we just dropped a new episode of who's on worst where we reviewed major league two there should be a post on that on dracebay.com this week once again thank you guys for listening and i'll talk to you next week